Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hutsmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger, we do it better, we do it longer, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Hutsmo Black. It's June uh, 28th, yeah. This month is, this year, is uh, about to get away from us. The last show this month, we'll be in July next week. Just said, when we come back to see you again, welcome to the Hushville Black Forum. You got me, the Hushville Drive, conducting this uh, train this evening. You know what our motto is out here to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. And if necessary to do it louder than anybody out here on Blog Talk, we we don't like to uh, do that. We like to keep everything even keel <clears throat> as best we can. Out here on the Hushmore Black Forum, it's my pleasure to be with you all. Cyberspace, Facebook friends, how y'all doing? Got a great show for you this evening, as always. Advocating on behalf of. Africans of American descent for justice, social justice. Not because we don't love everybody. We love everybody. We want to let you know that. Just by extension, uh, we find ourselves uh, advocating uh, for that uh, group. And Lord knows <laughs> we need all the advocacy we can get. You know? Yeah, but he's uh, trying to tell As the record goes, these are trying times, yeah. Hey, it's about uh, 30 minutes after 7 here in ATL, yeah. Beautiful day, beautiful weekend here. The weather's really, uh, it's been uh, too nice to stay indoors here in the last few days. But I got a little golf in, I mean. How did that do? <laughs> hey. As you can tell, the Hushmo got stuffed up with the uh, Apollo that's out there on that course, y'all. That's going to take less than me For me to get stuffed up. This time of year, I mean, just the whole year is, uh, but it's just too nice to have to uh, get out and hit a few. I said, I, I, hey, the husband could have played with Tiger this weekend. What Tiger seemed to 74 or something? He had seven bogeys on the front nine. The one day, I mean, I captain, uh, that's what we shoot like that. <laughs> seven bogeys out of. I, I can try. Uh, but uh, they play from a different team. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. The boys play from a different team than what, what the Hushmo play for. Uh, that makes all the difference in the world, y'all. Yeah? 
That makes all the difference in the world. What tea you playing from? Make no mistake about it. I didn't. I didn't send my Facebook friends a heads up. Heads up, Facebook friends. I'm sorry. You got me in the hush room. Getting ready to get into. Uh, get ready to get into this game, man, y'all. We got a baseball game coming up. The Braves at seven o'clock, but I don't see no Braves out there. That looks like some. That looks like the Dodgers. What's going on? The rivalry is just special just because of the proximity of cities, a lot like San Francisco. I don't know what's going on there, y'all. Don't tell, don't get me started. But you know, we we do keep uh, we do two or three days out here. That's my platform. We first of all, first of all, <laughs> we're, we're not one dimensional. Hey, hey, don't let nobody tell you that we one dimensional out here. We multitask. We we do several things uh, concurrently out here. We do. Hey. First of all, we're doing a job of four men. Do you know it takes four men to, uh, what's going on here? And the world's going on with the game. Man, they they having some kind of ceremony, y'all. Uh, it looks like the Braves are having some kind of ceremony before the game starts. Can't read one thing, it's another. Uh, everybody uh, selling or promoting something. But that's what it is in sports. You know, you celebrate your own historical uh, achievements of certain players. And that's what's going on here. Was the Phillies playing Boston in that World Series 2008? Mm-hmm. Seemed like me, uh, that's what it was about. Hey, y'all. Uh, Something happened on the way to uh, the ballot box down in Mississippi. Blacks down there went out and voted for uh, in the Republican primary. They went down there and voted that they went out and voted in a uh, uh, Republican primary in Mississippi this past Tuesday. They voted on behalf of their uh, uh, self-interest. I'm so proud of them. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm so proud of them. I don't know what to do, y'all. Mm-hmm. Apparently, our first pitch is uh, late here. They got a countdown. First one, kind of easy. See, uh, we got 
We gotta get it in what we can, yo. Yeah. Yeah, we are going to be uh, looking at our next excerpt out of my book, uh, Racism and Hate in American Reality, uh, my new book this evening. We're going to be looking at uh, uh, excerpt man. Uh, we haven't got it posted yet, but we're going to look at the chapter Out of Bondage into Political Purgatory, which is chapter six of the book, uh, dealing with the plight of uh, my family here in Georgia. Uh, uh, in a lot of ways, it mirrors Clyde uh, um, uh, Ross's story up there in uh uh, Illinois, uh, his family's plight here, and there, there's millions of uh, um, stories like mine. Uh, Tanisha Coates, uh, right up in the Atlantic Magazine for June, the case for reparations, a deal with uh, 250 years of slavery, 90 years of Jim Crow, 60 years of separate but equal. I I got my in my book Racism and Hate in American Reality. I deal with uh, racism from my uh, perspective uh, 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 that I believe is uh, relevant to uh, the cause. Uh, 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 this uh, case for reparation that uh, Mr. Tanisha Coates uh, was talking about a Pacific uh, uh, zeroing in on some of the Pacifics of uh, the case for reparation, dealing with uh, my great-great-granddaddy Daniel Cameron here in Georgia, who was born a slave in 1820 in Troop County, Georgia. We're going to get into it uh, and for the next... uh, Probably for the next two shows, we're gonna we're gonna harp on it and uh, uh, see uh, if we don't have a case for a reparation based on uh, the fight of uh, my ancestor. So yeah, hang in there. We got a lot lot to, uh, uh, to go uh, uh, to uh, talk about this evening. Iraq is blowing up. Uh, wow. Folks are uh, uh, flooding into our borders like 40 going north. Uh, 
the Congress, John Bain, is talking about suing the president for doing his job. I, I don't know how you do that. Can you do that? Anybody know? I mean, if, if you are the president doing your job, and the Congress that, who, who has passed less, uh, uh, legislation than any Congress in the history of the, uh, of the uh, uh, nation, telling you, <laughs> stop doing what you're doing to help people. Mm-mm. That don't make sense to me. Here's John Boehner. Uh, this do nothing uh, uh, Congress up there, uh, Republican uh, uh, extremist, is telling the president not to do his job to help people when they won't do anything uh, uh, on their own, but obstruct. It's got a lot to do with this racism uh, and hate that I write about. Yeah, it's just a fact. This president's numbers, uh, the polling uh, uh, has to be discounted by 10 percentage points because of this uh, uh, disease that is racism. Yeah, it's just a fact. I'd say 20 to 38 percent of Americans uh, uh, harbor a racial uh, 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 disposition against the president. I, uh, that number, that's 60, 70 million people, you know, that's a big number that, uh, uh, obstructing, uh, the way the country, uh, is being governed for the country's good. Uh, that, that's a serious, dangerous, crazy, uh, position to be in here because of racism. That's what it is, yeah. We've got to stop all that. It's this and that the president is doing. The president is doing just what the uh, majority of the population want uh, him to do in terms of affecting uh, 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 our interest in Iraq, uh, Syria, uh, the health care law, uh, gun rights, immigration. The public is on the side, yet he's got this crazy uh, approval rate of 40% because of that 10% skew. Uh, because of racism there. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Now, everybody on radio, uh, I'm looking at, what was that, Alex Wagner uh, the other day, that she had a panel of folks on there. Or, or she was on uh, Chris Hayes uh, the other night. Everybody's trying to figure out why the president's numbers are so low yet uh, the American public uh, want him to do exactly uh, what he's doing. The majority of them do. The majority of the American public want him to do exactly what he's doing. Yet uh, the ski skew is the skiism that is racism uh, has those uh, numbers uh, <laughs> looking crazy that uh, the experts cannot explain. Why the president's rating is down at forty percent and sixty and seventy percent up to seventy percent of Americans want the president to do exactly what he's doing. <laughs> hey, I know the reason, y'all. That, re- that answer ain't uh, that hard to uh, deduce. 
that answer is not that hard to deduce, you It's that good old-fashioned American racism. Now, read my book, Racism and Hate in American Reality, by Jimmy C. Cameron. That's my pen name, I feel. Tell a story of, uh, it chronicles the story of uh, the Cameron clan out of Troop County, Georgia, and how... Uh, the Jim Crow laws, separate equal laws, uh, uh, how how they played into their aggression through uh, American society, and uh, yeah. it damaged them economically. Uh, uh, yeah. So. Uh, That's just a hit or error. That ain't no guarantee that out. I mean, you got to come up with that, bro. So what was that? Got this uh, game stuff. Hey, y'all, it's about uh, 20 minutes after the hour seven. We're going to take a quick pause for the calls, y'all. We'll be back, right, right back after the break. Y'all hang in there. You got me in the hush, man. Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushma Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Welcome back to the Hustle Black Forum. Right, to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. Not a necessity. Sometimes we'll do it louder. Out of necessity, I see. Sometimes we'll do it louder. Many guys here on Blog Talk, yeah. Yeah, we come to you over Blog Talk Radio, yeah. Just a great, great medium. Go to blogtalk.com uh, forward slash Hustle dash black. Uh, you can pick us up there. Our Facebook page. Our webpage, go to hushmoblack.com, hushmo, H-U-S-H-M-O-B-L-A-C-K.com. Uh, follow us there, uh, pay, our Facebook page. Our book can be purchased there, uh, Racism and Hate, an American Reality. Also, you can get the Waterboy, the Life and Trials of Jimmy C. Cameron, 
You can pick that uh, book up. That's my first book. Uh, a common three, a theme in uh, both the books is my uh, 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 a look at my family's history in Georgia and advocating for uh, reparations. It's not a dirty word, yeah. It's not a dirty word. I mean, it's in fact, it has to be part of uh, the conversation that we're talking about economic inequality in this country. There's a reason for uh, the economic inequality when it comes to America and African descent. When you chart them up on, uh, I guess, the rest of uh, uh, society here in this country, and it's uh, woefully distorted because of the separate equal laws that injured so many of my people. Uh, After so many... uh, People died for their uh, uh, freedom here. The separate equal laws uh, took away 14th Amendment uh, protections for a whole class of Americans. Uh, over 100 years after that Civil War was over, uh, there's a reason for this economic inequality that exists as it pertains to uh, American blackness and here. We have to uh, talk about it, make it part of uh, the discussion. Um, make it a big part of uh, the conversation. I believe my book support. The notion that uh, any American African descent born prior to 1954 was directly injured by the separate equal laws held in place by Plessy uh, throughout the society, not just in school segregation, but uh, in the workplace, uh, the labor unions, the uh, uh, hiring quotas, the Unequal pay for the same work. Uh, just a whole host of uh, economic uh, 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 handicaps uh, uh, that we uh, suffered. Oh, yeah, by the time 1950 rolled uh, uh, roll around, according to uh, Mr. Rose Arnold, and his epic uh, look at uh, race. Uh, Race, Prejudice, and Discrimination, that book he put out in 1950, uh, 1950 suggested that blacks in the workplace was making about one-third of what uh, their brothers were working uh, on the same assembly line. Yeah? 1951, uh, that was what came out. Hey, it's a great, uh, it's a great look. Uh, it's a great uh, piece of work, uh, you know, looking at our uh, history of race relations here. By the way, check this book out, Race, Prejudice, and Discrimination. Great, great read in terms of uh, gaining a, a snapshot into uh, into our history here in the country and what uh, uh, what we were suffering through 
during that period before uh, 1954, leading up to 1954, leading up to Brown. And y'all, <laughs> y'all take uh, take a look at this book. Uh, and let you know that uh, we was injured in the workplace because of Jim Crow laws. And that's just a fact. There are many reasons why Thurgood Marshall and the NAACP didn't pursue reparate, financial reparations on behalf of some 20 million blacks at that time. And uh, one of the, among the main ones was pressure put on uh, uh, the legal team headed up by Thurgood Marshall uh, not to do so because of fear of some racial unrest in the South. Can you imagine that? Out of some, out of racial terrorism, the threat of racial terrorism, uh, the legal team uh, didn't uh, uh, petition the court for financial reparations at that time, and that was one of the reasons. Then again, our community wasn't quite sophisticated enough to step up to. Uh, uh, claim uh, 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 reparation for uh, the injuries that uh, we had suffered. We were not quite, quite, uh, uh, we was not quite, quite uh, ready. The masses was not uh, uh, sophisticated enough to uh, step up and put pressure on that they end up like she feared the man that they uh, on their behalf uh, petitioned that court. Doesn't mean doesn't mean that some sort of uh, uh, statute of limitations set in on uh, 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 the, those injuries. Those injuries were akin to uh, uh, genocide. Yeah, I contend in my book racism and hate in American reality. I contend that the 90 years uh, from uh, 1865 to 1954 uh, was akin to, uh, and then all the way through to 1965 was akin to uh, genocide. It's hundreds of, uh, uh, if not thousands, of our, uh, uh, our brothers and sisters died uh, during that time, under suffering equal, from uh, a racial attacks, from vigilante racial attacks on our community. This is the fact of history. We, so we, no, no such a limitation. I can tell that Americans of African descent born prior to 1954 have every right to petition the uh, uh, petition uh, uh, the court for uh, reparations today for those uh, injuries suffered. Not uh, we ain't gonna relitigate anything. We don't have to relitigate anything. Brown uh, set aside and said that the separate equal laws was unfit. Uh, inherently unequal and set them aside. Those laws included a whole broad range of uh, 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 injustices uh, that was in place legally, including the purchase of uh, 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 restrictions on the purchase of real estate, the real estate that I live on uh, here today. So yeah, we we got a we got a complaint. We got a real big big complaint. 
And it, it has nothing to do with uh, some wealth redistribution scheme. Uh, has nothing to do with some wealth redistribution scheme. Yeah. So we uh armed drones flying over Iraq, yeah. The president said they're there to uh protect the uh the American citizens just there as part of uh, our embassy. And they have a navy. Uh, advises that we uh, just uh, inserted into uh, the country there to uh, keep our own them and whatever else they can keep our own of us. So this is all uh, high stakes uh, game too. Uh, this stuff ain't no good. It's any time. And I don't know. We got eight or nine warships in the, the zone. They just said another ship will run with a thousand marines. That's on top of the one with 500 on there. And the 300 uh, that's on its way to the wreck and the other Navy that's in. We, uh, the president, president, I hope, uh, Trent Lightly, in whatever action he take, he better get down on his knees that night and that's the bed upstairs uh, for some uh, some uh, concrete direction in this thing. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> that's just me the husband, you know? <laughs> he, he better get down on his knees and uh, uh, consort with uh, the man upstairs. This may be more than uh, Mere models can can solve you. Hey, you figure these people have been at this stuff since 632, they tell me, since Prophet Muhammad passed on. The Shias and the Sunnis been at this, in this dispute over who was going to be the next one in charge. This is a religious dispute that's been going on since then. That's a thousand thousand years, yeah. 
the foreseeable future. Now we're going to drop some bombs and stuff, but uh, that ain't going to so go bad. Damn, they blowing each up up on there every day. They blowing somebody else up and themselves along with it, don't they? They don't care. That's a hard uh, mindset to deal with, but if you got to deal with it, uh, you got to go in there. Uh, Guns blazing away and kill up a bunch of people. That's just the way wars are conducted uh, in the 21st century with the weapons that that, uh, is at the disposal of the combatants. Don't take long and kill up a bunch of folks because this ice is starting to worry me. I'm looking at uh, pictures of bodies of uh, uh, Iraqi civilians stacked up in graves. That stuff don't look good. That don't look good. Uh, that don't look good. I don't care what side of the fish uh, you're on. Uh, I mean, you can't. Uh, be talking about winning uh, converts and you uh, killing up by civilians like that. I don't know. So I don't, I don't know if they got any sustaining uh, power or not with that philosophy. I don't think that philosophy is going to win over uh, the masses. I'd be shocked if that was going to win over the masses uh, for any uh, significant uh, uh, a length of time. Uh, so we're going to see, but in the meantime, we, the United States, when I say we, I'm talking about the United States after all, some old uh, military guy who fought them and died for the flag. So uh, <laughs> I've got some state, I've got some blood in this game. That's American record since falling every war the country's ever had since its inception. I got some, uh, I got some uh, skin in this game here. I don't want to see our young folks that are involved in that stuff because there's no uh, uh, answer to this thing. Uh, none that uh, is going to make sense to us because of the philosophy, because of the. Uh, different philosophies of uh, the two uh, systems of uh, uh, governance. Yeah, that's just a fact. That's a pretty good double play that Phillies just turned on that thing. Phillies are getting a little old, but they still play a pretty good pair in the ball, you know. They still play a pretty good brand of ball here. This is a new catcher we called him up to play. Call him up here to play uh, the catch one game. We played a double here. This is a Braves. I'll give you a little rundown. <laughs> hey, I'll give you a little rundown on the game here. I'm doing my fifth uh, uh, portion of the National Blackboard, man. You know, we do sports. This boy can swing a bat now. I think he's going to be pretty good. I like his body uh, makeup. He looked like a baseball player. Looks like he might be uh, uh, for a catcher. He looks like he got some speed. Looks like he uh, got that discipline at that plate. And uh, we're going to see. 
It's pretty fast too for a catcher. That ball is pretty fast for a catcher, yeah. He's in eighth, but we don't know. You don't know uh, the best prospects in the world. We don't know what they're gonna do until they step out there on that field, yeah. That's in any sport: baseball, basketball, football, hockey. I don't care how good they look in the early years. You ain't gonna know the real deal until you get them out there on that field. Until you get them out there on that field. Once you get them out there on that field, then you'll know. Then you'll know. What the real deal is. But uh, this guy, this guy looks like he's got some potential. <laughs> so, the peanut guards, all of them got potential until they uh, step up there in that field. Uh, all of them got potential. Coming up, y'all, excerpt nine from a new book, Racism and Hate in American Reality, Chapter 6. Out of bondage into political purgatory. We're going to get into it. The second half of the show this evening. Um, shed, shed light on uh, the case for reparations that uh, Tanisha Coates uh, was talking about in this article. There is the microcosm of uh, millions of uh, um, Stories like my my family's, like uh, uh, Mr. Claus uh, Clyde Ross's uh, story up there in Chicago. People migrated from Mississippi back back in the fifties. You know, back in the 50s, my, it, so many uh, 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 blacks out of the South migrated north from the 20s all the way through the 50s, uh, trying to uh, get assimilated uh, into this uh, society in a more uh, favorable way than uh but they were experienced in the, under, under the Jim Crow laws of the South here. Yeah. Uh, millions uh, was injured uh, under those separate equal laws. Yeah. Those separate equal laws is nothing short of the uh, 14th Amendment uh, Texas uh, violations that uh, did economic uh, 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 a lot of it, and now it, uh, people are, when you miss a reparation, they look at you like you uh, this uh, some kind of idiot or some kind of leech uh, uh, on the on the nation. 
<laughs> it's almost it's almost a joke if you look at the uh, uh, the outcome of uh, the uh, laws of uh, the country here on uh, its uh, some of its uh, citizens. It's almost uh, beyond the pale, you know. <laughs> it's almost beyond the pale. We, uh, Mr. Claude, Clyde Ross, his story, in my story. Or just a small sample of uh, our uh, collective story uh, here at the country. That's American Rapid said. Who is a different and separate class of minority. Uh, we're not lumped in. We we uh, got lumped in with uh, we got lumped in with uh, I don't know. It must have been nine different classes of uh, minorities. During uh, during that uh, affirmative action civil rights thing there in the sixties, Johnson under a lot of pressure to do something, and they came up with uh, satisfying uh, the country's minority, and that uh, broke the country up into I don't know eight man man different minorities, uh, including white uh, white uh, ladies. this white lady. The white lady was the majority of the population. How uh, they got to be a minority? I'm, I'm still uh, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Not be that as they they were lumped in with uh, African Americans, uh, Hispanics, uh, Chinese, uh, Japanese, uh, just a whole host of uh, uh, other groups uh, uh, to share in the affirmative action. Uh, 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 the remedies for past uh, discrimination against the uh, minorities in the country. And now, oh, well, and good. I want everybody to uh, to uh, I want everybody to be treated equal under the law. In fact, under uh, under the law. In a composite country like ours, as so eloquently stated by one Mr. Cedric Dudley, in a composite nation like ours, made up of almost every variety of human family, there should be, as before the law, no rich, no poor, no high, no low, no black, no white, but one country, one citizenship, equal rights, and a common destiny for all. A government that cannot or does not protect the humblest citizen in his right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness should be reformed or overthrown without delay. That's Frederick Douglass, 1883. 1883, right in the midst of... What I'm talking about out of my book tonight, right in the midst of this political purgatory that 
my family, Frederick Douglass, and millions of other blacks found themselves in after the Civil War, after 600,000 people had died. So 600,000 people had died in a bloody Civil War for uh, their emancipation. They found themselves in this uh, political purgatory uh, state in the society, uh, living under Jim Crow, living under Jim Crow with, without uh, 14th Amendment protections. There was injuries there. We've got to uh, claim uh, uh, reparation for those injuries. Huh? This ain't about no aim of wealth redistribution. Wait, well, I don't want no money from no, no poor people. They ain't got no money. I'm the government. If you will now, where are they going to get it from? They're going to print it like they print money for everything else. They're going to print it like they print money for everything else. Come on. It's going to uh, prop up the economy. Imagine 20, uh, how, how many um, Americans I've ever said do you think uh, there's any country now who's, uh, well, uh, 60 years or above, 8, 9, 10 million? How many? 12? Those uh, class of Americans uh, are owed direct uh, reparations for uh, the injuries suffered under the, under the separate equal laws here in this country. That's just a fact. They won the case. We're talking about me. I was born in 1945 here in Georgia. And without 14th Amendment protection. So what happened in 1951 when I turned six, I was forced into an inferior uh, uh, school for war. That's just me now. Uh, that uh, injured me that I'm due uh, reparation for. was due reparation for it in 1954. was due reparation for it uh, in 1954 for those uh, uh, injuries. We uh, we're going to keep talking about it. It's going to be uh, it's going to continue to be a part of the conversation. Why we need to talk about it? We need to talk about it because uh, 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 the inequality uh, is still there. As long as the inequality is there, we uh, we have to talk about it. That in, in the reparations has to be a part of the conversation because it's part of the history. It's part of the history. You can't, uh, yeah, it's just part of the history. There ain't nothing there. Uh, so hate uh, uh, in my uh, request. I am not hating. I told you I divorced myself from hate a long time ago in my book. Huh? I thought I used to hate. But hate, I found, was nothing more than a byproduct of uh, racism. When it comes to American Africans, for the by the most part, uh, American Africans that uh, don't have racism in their DNA. American Africans that hate is another thing. That's a, that's a reaction. 
they're reacting to uh, uh, they have some aversion against uh, some atrocities uh, uh, that was uh, put upon them by uh, the majority of the population here in the country. Now, it's uh, directly uh, proportionate to uh, the amount of races, uh, the more races, the more hate, the less racism, the less hate the system. From a social, uh, logical standpoint, it's just the way it is uh, in the country. I think we are in a place where I think we're in a place where uh, something's going to come to a head. I think we're there. We've got a black president that uh, brought uh, brought out the, uh, the races to the uh, front and the Senate. Uh, 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 here, since this is president of African descent, has uh, been in office some five years ago. Uh, They've shown this uh, president uh, less respect than any, any any president I've ever seen. I, I've never seen anything like it in my life. In my soon to be seventy years of uh, existence here in this here in this uh, country, I've never seen the disrespect I've seen shown for this uh, president in racial affairs or party. A serious part that no other president uh, before him had to uh, deal with. No matter the difference, always been a divide, political divide between perhaps the Democrats and Republicans. But no other president had to deal with the phenomenon that is racism. None. Before this one. That's a big uh, monkey on this president's back. Hey, I'm going to tell you, and it's coming to the, it's, it's coming now. It's in front of everybody. No, nobody want to acknowledge why these poll numbers are so skewed and uh, why some 70% of the country want uh, the president to do exactly what he's doing uh, in Iraq and everywhere else, but some 60% of them disapprove of the president's personal job uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, rating. Something's crazy. And, and uh, it's that uh, animal called racism, that disease called racism. You know, that's what it is. As soon as we come to grips with that, uh, the better off the country's going to be. The sooner the country comes to grips with that, the better off the country's going to be. Uh, you know, it's going to come to it's going to come to grips with it. It's going to come to grips with it. Hey, got me the hush mode, y'all. ATL, uh, June 28, 2014. Wow, the year is just about halfway gone, y'all. Six months going to be in the books here come Tuesday. <laughs> come Tuesday, y'all. This thing's going to be, uh, this year is going to be halfway gone. We're not passing it to, uh, 
summer, the days are getting shorter. Bobby Warback. Bobby Warback passed on. Uh, I guess it was yesterday. Bobby Warback, 70 years old. Uh, looking for a love. Uh, wow, what a great, great talent. What a great, great talent. Across 110th Street. Uh, he had so much stuff out there. He had so much stuff out there. Yeah. If you think you're lonely now, waiting till tonight, Harry Hippie, Harry Hippie. This guy had a ton of stuff out there. Bobby Warback gone, y'all. Rest in peace, Bobby. Way over the years, uh, produced more great, great artists, singers, and entertainers here in this country than uh, anywhere in the world. Yeah, on global stage, I've put a very record and sent uh, uh, minstrel talents up against any anywhere in the world, including those from the Houston. Absolutely, that's where uh, the DNA comes from. <laughs> However, we uh, was forced into uh, uh, creating separately from the indigenous uh, uh, rhythmic uh, vibes that uh, we uh, inherited. We had to uh, create a new uh, social uh, uh identity here in this country after 300 years of slavery. And we did. We did right now. Uh, rap. Somebody said, well, this rap stuff that uh, we're uh, somehow best and brightest and into the day, I've got uh, a problem with uh, a lot of it. A lot of it is serious, uh, serious uh, work. But uh, I wish we'd uh, get back to... Uh, <laughs> The old was old as me again. The uh, I'm a old uh, I'm from the old school. Yeah. Bobby Womack, uh, Luther Vandross, Sam Cooke. Uh, you know that's just me. That's just me. There you are. We had a call on. Uh, didn't get to him, but uh, call me back. Call out. We we uh. We saw them up there, but uh, we've been running. We've got a call-in number, y'all, 888-588-3814. We'll try to catch up with you uh, in the second hour. Call us back if y'all was on the line holding on for the Hushmo. Hushmo been running on, y'all, out on a tangent trying to uh, make sense of uh, stuff out there that just don't make no sense to us, y'all. There's so much of it. Uh, Congress suing the president, y'all. You know? Is that just a stunt? The president saying nothing more than a stunt. How you gonna sue me for doing my job? This is the president talking now. <laughs> How you gonna sue me for doing my job when you ain't doing nothing? And a uh, vow from uh, the first day that I took office uh, some six years ago that you wouldn't do nothing but obstruct uh, everything that I did uh, on behalf of the people of this country. And now you have the audacity to contemplate suing me 
for uh, uh, signing up uh, some 18 more million people for health care. <laughs> Can you imagine that, y'all? This is, you know, if it wasn't so uh, ridiculous, uh, this uh, this uh, see that is uh, the GOP uh, party uh, 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 today in 2014. Now that thing is slowly imploding, y'all, because you can't have a marriage of Southern Dixiecrats. Uh, uh, married to uh, Lincoln Republicans and sitting somewhere in between. They want to be Reagan Republicans. <laughs> what kind of Republican is Reagan Republican? Oh, you talking about the one that went and recruited all the Democrats up in uh, Pennsylvania? Didn't Reagan have uh, the Reagan Democrats? Where was all the uh, uh, outrage when Reagan had all the Reagan Democrats and uh, Thad Cochran down in Mississippi when he went and uh, got in some Democrats? Now it's uh, somehow... Uh, uh, Oh, those black Democrats. Oh, Reagan had white Democrats, but it was all right. Since the guy went and got black Democrats, there was a, a uproar about taxes. It was all right for Reagan to convert uh, uh, all of the northern uh, 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 segment of the northern uh, Democrats to uh, vote for him there uh, to beat uh, Jimmy Carter. But now that uh, they had Cochran has, uh, went and got him some uh, some Democrats, uh, the Republicans have a problem with it. That's smacks of uh, hypocrisy, y'all, and uh, good old-fashioned racism. That's what it's about. And you just uh, peel the cover away, y'all. It's about good old-fashioned racism when you peel the cover away. Citizens, uh, the state injured its own citizens, but the separate equal board. 
now everybody's having a problem trying to figure out why uh, and this economic uh, inequality. Everything is equal. Everything is equal on the books now. What about the hundred years after uh, the Civil War when things wasn't equal when the uh, damage was done? <laughs> when the damage was done by the uh, laws of the country? When is uh, that damage that was done going to be uh, reparated? So we, we no different than uh, the eight uh, farmers in 2009 in Connecticut who sued and went all the way to the Supreme Court for racial discrimination. It's the 14th Amendment rights violations based on their race. They were white. They said that uh, somehow this, this little small town in Connecticut was didn't promote them or something because they were white. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And we weren't even allowed in uh, 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 a lot of labor that the trade was the same as country for you, a thousand years after seeing Come on, please. Stop it. For a hundred years after the Civil War. Huh? Hey, y'all. Uh, it's about, uh, Wow, what time is it, y'all? This night's flying by here, y'all. Our time flies when you're having fun. It's about eight minutes after eight here today, to you Welcome to the Eskimo Black Forum. We, uh, just so happy to be out here with y'all this evening. It's important that, uh, we, uh, share this time together. Oh, not that I'm that important. Uh, hey, that's what, not that that's what that important. I did say we. <laughs> hey, uh, King James, LeBron James, y'all, he opted out of his contract down there in Miami. I see where the other two of the big three, D. Wade, Dwayne Wade and uh, Chris Bosch, they just uh, opted out of their last year or whatever. Them boys already don't make more money than they'll ever be able to spend. I tell you that right now. They got more money than they'll ever be able to spend. Those three uh, right there. All of them pretty sure with their money. People have to know now. D. Wade, he can, I don't know. He's a little, uh, he's a little Did he have a baby back there? <laughs> he got money to take care of babies, I guess. I don't know. Seemed like he was going to have to marry uh, Gabrielle Union or something. He must have had a baby by somebody else. Now he, I don't know. He's famous. I suppose he got a divorce from his first wife, so he's famous. But do that, uh, how's that? How's that play with y'all like that? <laughs> Anybody got an opinion on that? Post it on my Facebook page. <laughs> Y'all post that on my Facebook page because I don't know. <laughs> Anybody got an opinion? It looks funny, don't know. It definitely looks funny when uh, when you engage this went through a nasty divorce, you engage to this one lady that you went through the nasty divorce so that you can get engaged too. But then you come up and have a baby by baby number three over here. <laughs> I don't know, y'all. Hey, that's what I'm starting to 
Let's start those gossip out here when they smoke black. Oh, no, we don't do gossip. I'm mentioning that right now. We just thought that uh, was somewhat interesting. Hell of a ball player. I don't know if I'm Miami. I give him $20 million. He waits, you know, about that age, huh? Be waiting, you know, what that is, you know. That boy got a great job. That boy got a great, great job. They say, bye. That boy got a great arm. We need to keep him off. We need to keep him off the... Well, we have to get one brother in there. We may have to get one brother to strike this boy out. If we strike this boy out, ain't nothing, ain't nothing promised. Boom! We strike him out. We can do some things. Put the next dude on and go for a double play. Who is that, Jimmy Rollins? Oh, chance up. We ain't going to strike Jimmy Rollins out. <laughs> hey, uh, oh, shoot, two others just scored. Oh, no. That was, that was some other fan. That was when he got his uh, 3,000 hit or something. That's where he got a lot of hits. Wow. Whoa. Boy, Lord. He drove that ball. I almost got it out of there. He almost got that ball out of there. He almost got that ball out of there, y'all. Almost on count, they did score a run. Man. I don't know basketball, y'all. Atlanta Hawks, we, uh, that's my team here. You know, I got a team for everybody, all of them Atlanta teams. The Falcons, the Braves, and the Hawks. I don't know, we got somebody. Anybody give me some heads up on, uh, can anybody out there in cyberspace give me some heads up on Adrian, Adrian Payne from Michigan State? Big power for six down on six ten two fifty. They say he got an outside shot. We got four other players just like that other team already, including Al, Al Harper, who didn't play last year. He coming back this year. What are we gonna do with all those same type people? I don't know. I should want a heck of a shooting guard. And then uh, for the second pick, number forty three overall, we get this seven two project out of Spain, African out of Spain, fan ball for. <laughs> I don't know that. It looks like he's two years away, or maybe uh, more years than that. But we we don't know. I I never seen him play. I I never seen him play. Uh, I I I reserve a judgment on that. Book. I can't even pronounce his name. Uh, I don't I don't keep up with college ball. He's 22 now. He just started playing basketball four years ago. Now, the Hurstman played enough basketball back in the day to know that uh, <laughs> that's a, a gigantic leap from just uh, uh, being introduced to basketball four years ago <laughs> at the age of 18 and uh, stepping to the NBA uh, uh, when you're 22. That's a big leap, y'all. Now, somebody said that Hakeem Olajuwon, I made a jump similar to that, but I keep a lot of the hell of athlete now. We we ain't putting too many people in the same breath with uh, Akeem. Akeem was a special athlete. 
Oh yeah, that, that, uh, you can't you can't you can't just be talking about what he did. It was somebody else go uh, uh can't do. Uh oh no. But yeah, we we gonna see. Because like I said, it don't, it don't matter how good these uh athletes look, uh, coming up in the the uh the amateur uh, leagues, whether it be co- uh, college or whatever. Yeah, when they turn professional, uh, professional, that's a whole different uh, animal. Now. You can't tell nothing about none of them until they get out there on that field and uh, do what they do. <laughs> and, then, and then you'll be able to put a uh, grade on them. But until then, they still can't grade any of them until they step out on that field. Y'all don't know? That thing all changes. Uh, once they uh, start that painful play stuff, <laughs> that people say ain't no good cup. Everything gets uh, magnified to a pretty fever. We got some boys out there. We got just nothing just to go get a whole murder today. I think Justin is due for one. And what's the other one they play in there? What is that? Liberty Field? Liberty? <laughs> what field is that? Uh, Jimmy, uh, Mr. Freddie, Justin, and Ryan. Going to... and... Hey, uh, the Hushmo's going to take a quick pause for the calls here. We'll be right back. It's about uh, 16 after 8. We're going to get on with the uh, Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us, Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., right here in Cyberspace.
Reagan got there with the Dixiecrats. Reagan got to that report. Hey, Reagan was a Democrat himself, yeah. Oh, y'all didn't know? Ronald Reagan? Ronald Reagan was a Democrat. Most of his uh, a young adult life, yeah. A head of a union out of actors in, uh, in California. There you go. He was a, a Democrat before he became a Republican, which means he had some Dixocratic uh, leanings in the me. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I know what it's called before and what it used to be. It uh, don't have any uh, connection to uh, Lincoln. Why don't they ever mention uh, Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> we always go back to FDR. Democrats do. Why don't they mention uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> wow. It's because their ideology and Lincoln's ideology is polar opposite. So that's why. That is why. You can call yourself whatever you want, but your stripes is uh, what matters here. Not what you uh, call yourself. You can call yourself anything you want. Uh, we are more sophisticated than that now. I mean, it's one time you could, uh, there was one time you could uh, pull that over. Not anymore. <clears throat> Not anymore, y'all. Hey, y'all, June 28th, yeah, 2014. What's about 85 degrees in the ATL here, y'all? Summer's really setting in. Summer has really set in. We're going to see, uh, uh, Couldn't double the boy up. The boy got down the line too fast on the set. Uh, this is a Philadelphia and uh, the Braves, Atlanta Braves fan. Uh, game tied 1-1. One, one, the boy made a good turn. The ball sailed on him a little bit. Though. Now, that wasn't a strong throw. He had to sell. He played at the ball. He played that ball too much. Nah, that wasn't a strong throw. That wasn't a strong throw. He played at the ball. Strike right there, though. From a book, Racism and Hate in American Reality, now. Out of abundance into political purgatory, deal with a uh, great great granddaddy Daniel and his plight coming out of uh, slavery here in Georgia. 
went down in Troop County, Georgia here in 1865. In 1865, I remember he was uh, a young man that uh, lived. He was born in uh, uh, 1820 here in Georgia, so he was uh, like 45 years old. He had lived uh, half his life and uh, enslaved here in Georgia. He's coming into this new uh, uh, free society with um, some pretty high uh, 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 um, aspiration. Pretty high aspiration in this guy's guy. Uh, uh, you know, this family's been uh, this family's been uh, enslaved here for some. 200 years. They don't know what to expect. Illiterate. Uh, some 90% of his family illiterate. Don't know how to read. Uh, uh, here in Georgia, along with some 500,000 uh, other citizens here in Georgia in 1865, who was emancipated uh, by that uh, Civil War, yeah. uh, Daniel and Jacob uh, in 1865. Uh, this is from a book, y'all. Uh, Racism and Hate, until uh, Out of Bunnings into Political Purgatory, Chapter 6, uh, dealing with, uh, uh, give you a little insight into uh, uh, my brother, uh, my great-great-granddaddy's uh, and his family's plight in 1865. It uh, says, after the war, Daniel and Jacob quickly found themselves caught up in the political, uh, in this political purgatory brought on in part by President Lincoln's assassination in April of 1865 and the installment of the Democratic Southerner Andrew Johnson as president. If the day ever come that the United States have a worse president, I pray that some of my offsprings will be around to record it for uh, the family's uh, posterity. This has just been quoted directly from uh, the book. Uh, get this book, Racism and Hate in American Reality, really uh, speaks to uh, 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 um, the issue of economic inequality and how uh, the separate equal laws uh, affected uh, that uh, uh, the economic inequality as it exists today. Um, President Andrew Johnson, after the war, had came to an end, and the Congress, out of session, all by himself, started the reconstruction process of readmitting the southern states back into the Union. He did this to the detriment of nearly of the he did this to the detriment of the newly freed slaves and to the astonishment of Congress who got back in session in December of 1865. They arrived back in Washington just in the nick of time to stop this uh, guy from completely unraveling uh, some four four and a half years of war that cost some 600,000 plus lives, which included almost 80,000 blacks uh, uh, in a matter of uh, six months. He unraveled all that in a matter of six months, yeah. Uh, uh, President Andrew Johnson did. Remember, he was sympathetic to the South and was uh, damn near, uh, while the Congress was in session, uh, gave them all of uh, their uh, previous rights uh, back. (laughs) 
<laughs> Except for the 13th uh, uh, and 14th Amendment. Uh, during the time uh, he allowed all the southern states back into the Union with just the 13th Amendment, uh, eradicating uh, slavery, pretty much the only uh, prerequisite. He also pardoned most of the former um, secessionists, including many of the southern generals who actually prosecuted the war. One of the generals that President Andrew Johnson pardoned was Albert Pike, who had been tried and sent to jail for treason. General Pike was both one of the top Masons in the country and a top KKK organizer. Imagine that. The story has it that President Andrew Johnson, a third-degree Mason at the time, upon pardoning General Pike and releasing him from jail, the Masons bestowed the fourth degree through the 32nd degree almost immediately on the president. Can you imagine that? President Johnson's actions pretty much allowed the South to maintain a social order that kept the ex-slaves as second-class citizens. That's where that separate equal came in, yeah? This guy, Andrew Johnson here, uh, all by his lonesome, without the Congress even being session, pretty much allowed the South to come back in and set up uh, uh, this uh, uh, separate equal malarkey. By the time the Congress got back into session in December of 1865, Johnson had all but restored the old power structure to the South. When the members of his Republican-controlled Congress reconvened and saw what President Johnson had did, it was outraged and commenced to undo as much of it as possible. One action was to override his veto of the 14th and 15th Amendments to the United States Constitution and require all Southern states to ratify them before they were allowed back into the Union. Hey, this guy had vetoed. <laughs> hey, y'all, this, this guy, President Andrew Johnson, had vetoed the 14th and 15th Amendment. <laughs> Congress got back just in time to put their foot on this scoundrel's throat, y'all, and keep it there. They started impeachment on this guy in the last. That's what they tried to find some malarkey there. Uh, talking about impeachment with this uh, president we got here now. <clears throat> One other action was to override his veto of the 14th and 15th Amendment to the United States Constitution and required all southern states to ratify them before they were allowed back into the Union. The Congress also had to send Union troops back into the South in uh, uh, 1868 to put down the rising unrest and make sure that law and order was maintained. The government was virtually paralyzed during President Andrew Johnson's entire four years as Congress had to keep a foot on the president's neck and at the same time guide the country through a reconstruction. They filed some 11 counts of impeachment against uh, him over the final three years of his presidency. Uh, um, but failed to remove him from office uh, by uh, uh, a single vote. The newly freed Americans of African descent during this period of Reconstruction was in a very tenuous situation. 
because we have uh, uh, the hostile environment uh, in the South that already has started putting black codes and separate equal laws in place to ensure the newly freed Americans would be kept as close uh, to their former position in the society as they were when slaves would prove to be quite challenged now. Would prove to be quite a challenge. Um, <clears throat> this early action by President Andrew Johnson, along with actions taken by state and federal governments over a 10 year period from 1866 to 1876. Uh, Left American rapping is set woefully handicapped uh, for the next hundred years. <clears throat> some of the historians today to suggest that Robert e. Lee was some kind of a great general uh, and leader smacks against the reality of history. In September 1862, when Abraham Lincoln issued his Emancipation Proclamation, freeing the slaves in the secession in the states and authorizing their right to join the Union Army in about 90 days after the Union Army had enlisted them. In about 90 days after that, the Union Army had enlisted almost 200,000 blacks with another 1 million able to join. Another powerful General Lee and Jefferson Davis was that while they prosecuted this war with all their young men, how were they uh, to keep the 5 million slaves under control when they were... uh, died to be set free and made up about half of the entire southern population. It doesn't really take a genius to see that the South was woefully outnumbered at that time based on these facts alone. <clears throat> when you had in the fact that the North had far economic resources had far more economic resources provided that the South could no longer win the war. Yet against these staggering odds, Robert E. Lee and Jefferson Davis went forward with the excuse of the war at the cost of some 600,000 American lives. Surely wise leader would, would have ended the fighting there rather than to continue fighting for three more years, costing an additional 400,000 lives. In 1870, uh, after the disappearance of his brother Jacob in 1867, when the finals that existed after the war was at its highest, Daniel never found out exactly what happened to him, and but suspected that he had been killed. We always suspected that it was at the hands of some and of some angry returning Confederate soldiers seeking revenge for Jacob's advocacy for our emancipation before the war. Although it's been three years since his disappearance, the loss of Jacob still weighs heavily on my heart. His loss was somewhat filled by the friendship of Robert Delaney, whose family and mine became joined at became joined at the hip through marriage.
joint at the hip through marriage for generations to come. It was Robert and I who marveled or sent our names for the first time on the 1870 census. Between the cameras and the Delaney's, there were over 500 family members on the 1870 census in Coop County, Georgia. Between the two families, they had every conceivable agricultural and building skills that existed at the time in Georgia. The two families tried desperately to acquire some of the 46 million acres available in the Southern Homestead Act of 1866. Some of the land was located in counties in Alabama bordering Troop County in Georgia, where they lived, literally within walking distance from their uh, promised land. Did the enslavement of Africans by the Anglo-Saxons and the new society parallel the enslavement of the Israelites in Egypt? And did the Africans cry out to God Almighty for their salvation? If that story of the Bible is indeed an allegory telling the story of man's journey through his darkest hour of slavery to the light of freedom achieved by their faith in God Almighty, then the two accounts are, are the same. My slave ancestors in this country did indeed cry out to God Almighty for their salvation, and they perceived a Lincoln to be their Moses. So here come 1861, the Civil War, and Abraham Lincoln freeing the slaves from bondage in order, in other words, leading them out of Egypt into the promised land. Land, you say? Yes. My slave ancestors prayed for freedom in their own land. If you consider my families uh, out here in Georgia during this period, in 1865, my father's great-grandfather, Dan Cameron, and his maternal great-grandfather, Robert Delaney, and their family had just been emancipated and all lived together in Troop County, Georgia. The two families told some 500 people on the 1876 census. Of that number, 96% of them were illiterate when it came to reading and writing when first emancipated. That percentage decreased steadily over the next 50 years until 
who have worked on several of the land uh, landmark buildings buildings around Troop County, both while a slave and after he was uh, freed. Among his work included the oldest standing non-resident this building still standing in Troop County today. The LaGrange Presbyterian Church built in 1844. Never had an 18th Church Street. When the Southern Homestead Act was put in place in 1866, my family members included brick masons, skilled woodcrafters, fence builders, all trades they had learned during their uh, prior uh, enslavement. An adult was able to clear almost an acre of timberland a day. They did about 90% of the farm labor, everything from plowing the fields, planting the crops, and then harvesting the crops when the time came. They also worked in the textile mills around Troop County uh, to turn uh, the cotton into some uh, raw material. The skills was well suited for adaptability uh, to the new uh, timberland uh, set aside in the Southern Homestead Act. But there was uh, six million uh, acres of land out of, but there was six million acres of land out of uh, some 46 million acres total was set aside uh, in this plan, virtually within walking distance of where my ancestors lived uh, in Drew County, Georgia right across the state line in Alabama. Dan Robert envisioned a plan to co-op 50 different families getting uh, 80 acres each for a total of 4,000 acres of timberland that they could live on, work, and sell the lumber to the nearby paper mills and use uh, the profits to develop the land into farms as it uh, uh, is cleared. We will call the new enterprise the Cameron and Delaney Bright a Day Company. Brighter Day Company. The Brighter Day Company have within its ranks the Freeman's Bureau, located in Macon, Georgia, uh, in to the AME Church here in Georgia, uh, in Alabama, where uh, the land is located where the land was located. The significance of uh, this connection to the African Methodist Episcopal Church was that one of uh, the leaders of that church at the time, the Reverend Henry McNeil Turner, was also a key member of the Freedmen's Bureau there in Macon, Georgia. The Freedmen's Bureau being the agency set up by the federal government to do, among other things, help educate the newly freed ex-slaves and also to help them to acquire uh, the land set aside in that Southern Homestead Act of 1866. <laughs> you may say the Brighter Day Company had what in today's street called a hookup. A hookup that uh, answered the prayers of certainly our family members that is to uh, be able to set up a, a self sustainable financial center within our own family unit. An aspiration, I suppose. Much like 
any other American uh, family uh, uh, of that kind. And I'm sure I suppose much like any other American family of that time, there was family uh, size was about 10 in each of uh, uh, of the total of uh, the average family size was about 10 in each for a total of 500 people in the combined 50 families. A very laudable and a very achievable goal with all the necessary components in place. In 1870, these 500-plus members uh, of the families had pooled their media resources and opened up a number of accounts in the newly formed Freeman Savings and Trust Bank. It was set up specifically to provide a place for the free ex-slaves to create a financial capital base. At its high point, the Freeman Savings Trust Bank had over $57 million in deposits in 36 branches uh, throughout the South and the District of Columbia. This, no doubt, caused a panic in Southern society who feared that the blacks would soon have the wherewithal to acquire the 46 million acres, thus depriving them of their cheap labor force. Along came the devil that is racism, you know, to stand firmly in the way of what would have been a very positive step toward reparations for their 200 plus years of slavery. A period that should have been a time of excitement and joy was turned into more years of agonizing humiliation. Humiliation and despair. The brighter day coming witnessed the veil of racism take away some of that light making their days to be somewhat darker in Michael L. Lanza epic novel agrarianism and reconstruction politics the Southern Homestead Act he revealed the shameful end to his existence in 1876 leaving Dan and Robert's dream shattered. Shattered and unfulfilled due mainly to economic considerations being placed above equal justice. Mainly they, mainly they, the former slave owners, wanted to keep in place as close as possible the cost of labor to its former price before the Civil War when it cost them only the price of proven board of the slaves. In chapter four of Michael L. Lanz's book, he observed the following. The sponsors of the Southern Homestead Act understood the critical importance of providing the land to the impecunious former slaves because they reason freedom would be meaningless without an economic base. 
Most other Republican leaders, however, in granting black Southerners political and legal rights felt their duty was fulfilled. They did not honestly try to provide free men, free men any social or economic rights. Accomplishing such additional objectives would have required a massive reorganization of Southern land tenure, but it was seldom suggested and no action was ever taken on this matter. The Southern Homestead Act represented a moderate effort to solve the problem of providing land because it flowed from existing legislation. It did not greatly curb the Republican majority in Congress. True Southerners feared that black land ownership would cause a severe labor shortage and thus actively opposed and thus actively opposed freemans from leaving the plantation to become land on them. Oh, did they ever uh, object? But their resistance was not the only reason that the promise of land under the Southern Homestead Act proved elusive. Republican leaders failed to pursue the bill original uh, policies of helping the freemen. The law, moreover, had little meaning of people who began with nothing and had no capital to start a farm even with free land. The assurance of the Homestead Act for freemen proved in the end to be nothing more than another dream deferred. That was the key, y'all. That 46 million acres was at the very key to uh, us as a people achieving an economic foothold independently, separately uh, from uh, the former slave owners here in this country. They railed against that. They they, uh, didn't want us to assimilate within the society, yet they railed against and did everything against uh, us acquiring that 46 million acres, which would have alleviated a lot of the economic inequality that the country is facing to uh, this day. What followed was the Jim Crow laws of the South that prohibited my family from not only acquiring the land and the small amount of capital needed, but made it almost impossible for them to move from uh, county to county, let alone state to state, the separate equal laws. That took away 14th Amendment right protections, being the most devastating of the state's activism. So once again, racism became the instrument with which the government, at the behest of the shattered remains of an antebellum society, struggling desperately to keep its older to keep its old order intact, used to deny my family, along with more than 500,000 of its citizens here in Georgia, access to that land. I believe this now the land to the newly free slaves would later prove to be not only counterproductive, but the main reason for the economic disparity that exists in the country today between Americans of African descent and white Americans. We further examine the Homestead Act and use it 
as a cornerstone for our argument for reparation in Chapter 11. Hey, y'all. That's it. From abundance to political purgatory, y'all. The separate equal laws uh, devastated us, uh, our very beginning into uh, into uh, the new uh, free society here. That one act, more than any other single act, uh, is the cause of is the cause of the economic disparity uh, that exists between Americans of African descent and uh, Americans of uh, European descent here today. That's just a fact. fact. Uh, My family's uh, history, I bear it out, and uh, millions of others, uh, uh, millions of others' uh, uh, families' history bear it out. Uh, Tanisi Coates, uh, the case for reparations, uh, uh, make that uh, all too clear. uh, We uh, should be uh, getting a petition together to uh, send off to Eric Holder to petition uh, the uh, court on our behalf for those reparations. American African descent born prior to 1954 was directly uh, injured by uh, those laws economically. Hey, y'all, it's going to do it for me. <laughs> we got to uh, cut this thing off, yeah. We rambling on here. We'll be back next week, same time, same station, y'all. July. Uh, what is that, y'all? Ah, uh, yeah, July. One, two, three, four, five. July 5, y'all, next year at 7 o'clock. That's no black form. We'll be back. I tell a friend about us and uh, uh, come out and uh, uh, join us next week. Until then, ciao. The Hushmo Black Forum, advocated on your behalf by covering news and events affecting the African-American community. Check us out. At the Hushmo Black Forum, www.blogtalkradio.com.